the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in on this Wednesday to the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 FM, The Answer. I'm Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of The Ohio Press Network. You can find us at theohiopressnetwork.com. You can also subscribe to support one of the few independently owned truth-telling media outlets in the state. And as we get ever closer to a November 7th election date, information is critical to decision-making. It is November 1st already, November, emphasis on no. Why? Well, if you've listened to the show over the past couple of weeks, you know that I am a firm and vehement no on issue one, which proponents will call an abortion access or abortion rights proposed amendment. But constitutional lawyers, civil rights attorneys, OBGYN doctors, And those who have done research on the broad and sweeping language of the bill say that it is absolutely the most radical proposed amendment in the country. And in fact, news outlets are already reporting that what happens in Ohio will be the bellwether for other states. Why? Because Ohio is Republican controlled by a supermajority in the legislature. Republicans dominate the executive branch every major office, and the Supreme Court in the state of Ohio is chock full of Republicans, uh, so much so that there's a majority there as well. What, What that's called is a trifecta. Yet here we are on the cusp of a vote that would allow abortion to birth for matters of convenience, and it would open the door for minors to abort and gender transition without parental involvement. So that's a no. And then November issue two, would legalize the recreational use of marijuana in the Buckeye State. It would create the uh, Cannabis Control Board that would administer the rules surrounding the buying and selling of marijuana here. It would impose a 10% tax on business transactions involving that marijuana. But a couple of things behind the curtain, you know, not a lot of people actually read proposed amendments. I've learned that. And I don't say that from a condescending condescending standpoint. I'm actually one of those up until a few years ago. I kind of believed what people told me or maybe what I saw on TV. But when you get into the language of this proposed statute, you'll see that it is a 35% minimum amount of THC that would have to be in the marijuana that would be legally sold in the state. Why is that important? Well, Do you remember Woodstock? Maybe your parents do, your grandparents do, or maybe you do. The weed smoked there was 5% THC. This is 35%. At 20%, it's marked high 
high concentrations of THC, no pun intended. 35% is industrial strength. It's industrial grade. And then when you look at the fact that 36% of tax revenues would be returned to the marijuana industry, you go, well, wait a minute. In order to even sell here, you have to have the equipment, the licensing, and the technology that allows your product to be super concentrated. And then you get an automatic flow of revenue, essentially. And that, to me, looks a lot like what? A government-blessed monopoly on marijuana. So for those of you who think that you're going to be able to just grow it in your house and sell it, not so fast. Uh, Excuse me. I also want to thank every one of you who have uh, sent email messages and direct messages over the past couple of days. Uh, Your overwhelming support of the guests and topics we've covered are greatly, greatly appreciated. Of course, we've talked a lot about issue one, and uh, we've talked a lot about school board races. And yesterday, uh, I uncovered some really uncomfortable information, particularly if you're one of a handful of board candidates from around the state who are the target of a group that is tied to the teachers union, Ohio education association and uh, the smear campaign ads that are uh, being posted on Facebook. And so thank you for all of your positive feedback. We work hard to make sure that you have topics, uh, information and people that are relevant to what's going on. And today is no different in just a few minutes. I'll be joined by Dr. Jeffrey Heyman of Cedarville University. He's a professor of economics in the Robert W. Plaster School of Business there. He'll unpack the UAW deals. You've heard the past couple of days that General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis have struck agreements with the United Auto Workers Union. And if time permits, we'll not only uh, talk about what those agreements entail, but maybe get a glimpse into what the expected pause by the Federal Reserve on increasing rates might signal and uh, overall where we are as an economy. At 12.06, I'll be joined by Congressman Warren Davidson. He represents Ohio's 8th Congressional District. He's a member of the House Financial Services Committee where he's focused on policies that help grow our economy and instill uh, financial or fiscal discipline, I guess. Fiscal is probably a better word. Uh, in advance innovation and, and limit runaway government expansion and spending. Uh, boy, does he have his hands full now. So he will tell us the latest on Speaker Mike Johnson with respect to the upcoming budget negotiations. You know there are uh, 12 separate uh, bills that they have to come into agreement on and negotiate and pass before the middle of November in order to avoid a government shutdown. Now, Davidson is also a former special forces veteran in the United States Army. So I look forward to his input on what's going on in Israel and the role of the United States there. And uh, also maybe we'll get a forecast on what's coming up on Capitol Hill before we get into the holiday break. And then at 1235, U.S. Senator J.D. Vance will join us. And he will talk about the critical importance of issue one. If you were on Twitter over the weekend, uh, you probably didn't miss his tweet. He came out in, um, I guess, loud opposition to issue one. So I want to get Senator Vance's take on why he's opposed to the proposed amendment 
You know, there's a lot in it. So it's not just, hey, um, I'm I'm pro-life. There are a lot of people that I've talked with over the past couple of weeks, by the way, who are what you would consider um, former pro-choice people. The people who said, look, I want it to be legal. I want it to be safe and I want it to be rare. And then when they have explained to them what the proposed amendment really is, yes, it would be legal because the broad and sweeping language would legalize just about any type of abortion as long as a doctor can tie the reasoning or medical rationale back to some sort of health-related decision. Um, And therein is the challenge in that proposed amendment is the word health. Health is not defined in the amendment. So what does that mean? That means that if it's not defined, the courts have to define it. And so uh, it's not going to take long for someone who wants an abortion at, say, a Planned Parenthood clinic for budget reasons or maybe you know baby daddy is not going to stick around and mom's worried, so we're just going to abort this child even though the baby's six or seven months along and healthy. And if the abortion doctor can say, you know what, financially it would impact her financial health or emotionally um, she's having anxiety, so there's an emotional health component or, or mentally – um, she, she's just not at a level in her life where she can support the role of mother and, you know, role of whatever else she has going on in her life. So I'm going to sign off on aborting this baby. So uh, for for that reason, a lot of former pro-choice folks are going against this proposed amendment. But I want to get Senator Vance to weigh in and, and find out what his thoughts are. And hopefully we'll get to talk to him about a recent um, amendment that he made to a minimus bill that would prohibit the federal government from imposing mask mandates on airplanes and other government forms of transportation. Now, the amendment lacks some of the things that he tried to get over the finish line back in September when he worked for unanimous consent to pass it in the Senate, but uh, a Democrat uh, full of red herring arguments opposed it, and it only takes one person to oppose in order for that unanimous consent to go through. So we'll find out what is in the bill and maybe where it stands. Is the president going to sign it? And then uh, we'll get the latest maybe on East Palestine. Senator Vance has been all over the follow-up there with respect to the the state and federal EPA agencies and uh, making sure that citizens there are, I don't know, monitored, (laughs) making sure that the the ground and the air and the water are all safe now um, and also making sure that they get the aid so that they can be monitored and if something goes wrong that they can be taken care of. So we look forward to having Senator Vance on at uh, 1235. And uh, I'm grateful that you're tuned in. We'll be back on the other side of this break to talk with Dr. Jeffrey Heyman about the UAW, uh, the overall economy, and uh, Bidenomics. So stay tuned to 98.9 FM, The Answer, The Bruce Woolley Show. All right, welcome back. And uh, joining me right now 
He is dean of the Robert W. Plaster School of Business and a professor of economics at Cedarville University. He is Dr. Jeffrey Heyman. Uh, Dr. Heyman, welcome back to The Bruce Woolley Show. How are you today, sir? Doing well. Glad to be on the show. Thank you. Hey, absolutely. Um, I'm wondering if we might chat about the UAW, maybe some consumer confidence numbers and and what people are expecting of the Fed. But then I just had an aha moment. And uh, I'm going to go off script here. Not that I have a script. But, um, you know, when I was in college, I I tried really hard to find good sources of information. And I remember back then reading The Economist, which, you know, came from overseas and uh, some Federal Reserve Bank reports. Let me ask you a question on the spot. If you're the average listener and you hear uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre spin economic indicators and numbers and you're just confused and you're like, what's really true? Where do you point people? If, if, you're, if, if we're your students, what do you tell us to read and, and what sources would you tell us to check in order to really understand what's going on under the hood of the economy? Well, I mean, you obviously have to take uh, anything that the administration or the Congress tells you or any think tank or anything you read with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best the best way to do that is, is to get a multitude of sources. Usually, <laughs> I don't say always, usually the politicians don't directly lie, such that what they're telling you is one small subset of the truth, which they believe paints their perspective in the most positive light. Right. Uh, and, and we all do that to some degree. Everybody wants to kind of spin things their way. So, so, so the, really the antidote to things she is saying and the administration is saying is, is look to the broader uh, kind of thing. And, and let's, let me just get to, to just one key factoid that's, that's, that's why the, nobody buys what they say. Mm-hmm. They can trump at all these kinds of things. That, that are positive, and there are quite a number of positive uh, indicators, right, uh, for the economy. But when real wages have gone down over the last uh, two years, I mean, they're slightly ticking up now, but they're, they're still uh, – our purchasing power is greatly reduced from what it would have been two years ago. And people feel poor, and every time they go into the grocery store, it hits them. And so, so telling people that the economy is great when they don't feel it when they go shopping is, is really a bad uh, I, I think uh, political is certainly a bad economic kind of way to think about it. So where do you go to get all this data? Well, you know, almost any source can be. If you're looking at some of the data, you have to understand what are the, the best indicators, but you're going to look at, you know, a broad array of them, whether it be gross domestic product, employment numbers. But the, I will tell you, the key thing that people are really feeling right now is the fact that inflation is driving their real wages down from what it otherwise would have been. So I, I think that's uh, one way to think about it. Uh, that's fantastic information, and and I agree with you. Understanding uh, broadly, you know, the GDP um, and in employment numbers, but I, I go back to my wife and I having this conversation the other day. She goes, "Look at what I got for a hundred dollars today," <laughs> and it's like, "Wow!" And then when you turn on the TV and you hear the White House saying Th- things are great, you go, are, "Are they gaslighting us?" I mean, I, to your point, I think it it diminishes uh, credibility and belief in in Bidenomics, but. Pivoting over to the United Auto Workers, big news this week, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis struck a deal with the UAW. What can you tell our listeners about the big components of that deal? Uh, yeah, well, let, let me set, set a stage, and then I'll get into some specifics, if that's okay. Yes. First of all, we, we have to understand that, contra what the, uh, the union leadership wants to tell us, is that the wages ultimately are not going to be determined by 
the strength of the negotiation or the generosity of the company or anything like that. It's basically supply and demand. And, and so naturally, the union wants – leadership certainly wants to encourage people that they want this to, to provide their added value because they get you know uh, union dues and everything else. And, and they want to get larger uh, payments for themselves by unionizing more industries. So, that, so there's a real strong desire uh, for them to portray it that way. But, but we, I, I think the proof of what I'm just saying – is the fact that, look, the UAW is only somehow strong now. And why is that the case? Because you can't get workers. Uh, because uh, uh, the Gen- General Motors and the rest of the auto manufacturers are having chronic problems with absenteeism already. Uh, everybody is dying for lack of workers, which says the market is, is driving this upward bias. So, so that's kind of one thing that we have to, uh, to uh, be aware of. And then the, then the second thing, and then we can talk about the specifics uh, of it, is, is it, from an economic point of view, the only thing that can help any of us get a raise is if we become more productive. Amen. If the value of our output is more valuable in the marketplace, that provides the, the resources to be able to do that. So, so to the extent any of these, these wage increases are not matched by productivity increases, then it may be a short-term win, but it's likely to be at a long-term harm, which I think uh, this one will be. Uh, yeah, they, they, they got a, a pretty big uh, raise initially. I think it's like 11% this year, a total of 25%, I think, over four years. Cost of living adjustments, increased uh, retirement benefits. All those are, are wins if the company can afford to keep paying it. That gets into, therefore, the problem, which is uh, – uh, we've got uh, consumers, as, as you're wanting to talk about a little bit as well, that are they're kind of tapped out. Uh, it, we, or the, people already can't afford their groceries. How much more are they going to be able to afford more expensive cars? Th- th- this, I think, is a little bit short-sighted. There's, this is a variation of something we often call the, the, the winner's curse in auctions, where the person that wins the auction pays the highest price possible, which means they probably overestimated the value of it. When you get a negotiation for a uh, contract wage increase at the peak of earnings, and now you baseline that in, and and remember what uh, Mr. Fain says, we squeezed every single dime out of them, didn't leave anything on the table. Okay, great. Well, that means when you're doing this uh, on on the the peak cycle, what happens if we go into recession next year? What happens if – because their 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 competitors are not going to necessarily have to raise uh, some of uh, Toyota raise, but there could be other manufacturers which will continue having lower cost labor, and the American consumer starts buying other things. It's it's it, it may be harmful to them in the long run if they price their product out of the market when already UAW labor costs prior to this were higher on average than the competitor car companies. So that's one of those things, be careful what you wish for, because uh, it may put the uh, company, which is already hemorrhaging cash in this, I would say, forced EV conversion. Um, where are they going to have, how are they going to have the funds to do this? So, so I'm not uh, sanguine at all about the long-term benefits of this. It will certainly provide short-term benefits to the, uh, the, the workers. Mm-hmm. I hope that they can keep it. It's not clear to me uh, that they can unless we can point to productivity improvements, which we haven't seen much of that. Uh, Dr. Heyman, um, we've got about 20 seconds here, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Could you stick with me on the other side of this break and maybe talk about consumer confidence, the Fed, and then wrap up your thoughts on UAW? Absolutely. Okay. Stay tuned to The Bruce Willis Show, 98.9 FM, The Answer. More with Dr. Jeffrey Heyman next. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.